0: Hear the word of the Lord. First, we hear from Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 12. For this reason, I call a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Lord, in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Next, from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God our rock, and our redeemer. One of the things that happens when you live in a house with three other people, four cats and a dog, is you find yourself saying, I wasn't talking to you about 700 times every day. Just this morning, as our big orange cat, Julius, greeted me, I held his little face in my hands and I said, aren't you a pretty boy, my sweet, cuddly buddy? And my husband groggily replied, what? He was far less confused when I told him I was talking to the cat, not to him. And it's sometimes ludicrous that things that people don't realize are being said to someone else. I've had my children reply, I'm not on the kitchen counter when I've scolded a cat for trying to help me cook. They don't seem to hear me when I'm talking to them, but the second I start talking to the dog, they hear every word I say. It's really frustrating when the people you're talking to don't hear you or when other people accidentally jump into the conversation that has nothing to do with them and just makes it more confusing. And it's also frustrating to be the one who wasn't being talked to and to think that they were saying something for you. Sometimes in a house as busy as mine, we just start tuning out everyone and not listening at all. We have to really pay attention. To know when someone is talking to us and when they are talking to someone else. We have to be aware of what's going on around us, the relationships that are involved, what other people are nearby, because context matters when we're listening. And as soon as we aren't paying enough attention, we find ourselves saying, what did you say? To someone who wasn't talking to us, or we find ourselves not hearing a person who is talking to us. It's the same when we are listening for God. We get caught not paying enough attention to what's going on around us or being too overwhelmed by all the noise, and we find ourselves mishearing, misinterpreting, or missing entirely what God is saying to us. When this happens too often, we can get frustrated and just stop listening because we assume that God must be talking to someone else. When I was a kid, there was a popular series of books called Choose Your Own Adventure. Did anyone else read those? Got a couple. <laughs> Dan read a lot of them. He was very excited about that. Um, you would read a story, and at certain parts in the story, you would be faced with a decision to make, which direction to travel, which character to trust. And the book would tell you what page to flip to for whichever decision you made. And the the book ended differently depending on the choices you made. Sometimes you won, so to speak, and sometimes the book ended in tragedy, Now, I never felt like there was enough information provided to me in these stories with which to make such important decisions as to whether or not to get on the spaceship or not. So I made myself a great big loophole. I would use scraps of paper or my fingers to mark my last decision so I could backtrack if I got abducted by aliens or bit by a vampire. I could thereby ensure that I could always find the best possible ending to the book. That is not how life works, unfortunately. And since we don't have cosmic scraps of paper with which to mark the places to go back if we get something terribly wrong, sometimes we just sort of freeze up, or we take the easy path because it's safer, or we figure that if we don't have the confidence to say, I definitely heard God say, that God must be talking to someone else. But God has something important and life changing to say to absolutely everyone if we put in the hard work of listening actively and attentively. We can't possibly know how to move through the world and our rapidly changing culture as individuals or as a church if we don't assume God has something valuable to say to us and take the time to listen. Just be warned. When you listen, God might have something really weird to say, like, so there's this baby king sleeping with the animals in the backwaters of Israel. Today in our gospel passage, we read about the wise men. Now, this is the most common translation these days for the Greek word magis, which is pluralized as magi. And in the past, it's been translated as kings, but they were really more like king's advisors. They weren't actual kings. The common tellings of the Christmas story seem to have this huge contrast between the two groups who come to see the baby Jesus. I think that's why often they get called kings, because you have the dirty, sheepy, smelly, common shepherds. And then you have these regal, fancy-pants guys on camels who come from far away. And the two groups couldn't be more different in that way, especially contrasted with the shepherds. The idea of actual kings getting word about Jesus and following a star to see him is a pretty cool idea, theologically. And scripture does state in other places that both kings and common people will bow to Jesus. But we have to be careful because the gospel writer Matthew was making a different theological point here originally when he wrote this down. The Magi were not actually very popular guys in many circles. In other places, we see these sorts of people talked about in scripture and in other ancient texts, and they're sort of looked down on. They're known as know-it-alls or eggheads or even hippies. They're the weirdos who read the stars and think they know the future and then tell it to kings and other important people. They aren't necessarily much more desirable than the stinking, rough shepherds. The only real earthly king in the story is Herod and Herod completely misses the voice of God in all of this a bunch of smelly farmhands hears the angels and obeys a group of weird eastern astrologers reads about Jesus birth in the stars and comes looking but the king <coughs> excuse me the king doesn't get it he seems to want to he asks the magi to help him here but ultimately, he's unwilling to go out on a limb and listen for himself, so he misses out. Not all of our Christmas imagery is very historically accurate, and that includes our picture of the wise men. There are even stories about their names, which are not listed anywhere that we know of. Someone was just doing creative reflection on scripture once upon a time, and it stuck. But that's not always bad. Sometimes the theological drive of the image is just as important as having a good historical understanding. It's wonderful to use our imaginations when we read these stories. A great example of this is when the wise men are depicted as being of different races. You can see that in our nativity over here, even. One of them is clearly a white guy of European descent. One of them is of African descent, and the other one looks like he's probably Middle Eastern or Mediterranean in descent. Now, historically, they were probably all from the same place, or they at least lived in the same place. But the whole reason that they began to be imagined and pictured in the way that they are is because it highlights the epiphany promise that Jesus is for all. People, And the easiest way to represent the idea of all people is to make these three people look very different from one another. It is through Christ that freedom is opened up to everyone, everywhere. And that is what the wise men, what the Magi, represent. Christian Century had a great article this week um, that stated this. As outsiders non-jews in a jewish story persians and arabs at the manger with these hebrew parents and child the magi give us a foreshadowing of jesus ministry jesus will shatter religious tradition and ethnic boundaries and bring strangers center stage before the story is over jesus will challenge boundaries of race social class status and even gender he will welcome outsiders Sinners, the unclean, lepers, tax collectors, prostitutes, poor people, women and children, Roman soldiers, and share meals with them. Jesus will scandalize some people with his radical inclusivity. Apparently, he didn't know or care about the function of a religion to define insiders and outsiders. Instead, he will fling open the doors. God speaks to all of us. God speaks to everyday good old boys who watch the sheep. God speaks to goofy intellectuals who read stars and advise kings. God speaks to Presbyterians and Catholics and Americans and Africans and Arabs and young people and old people. God speaks to each and every one of you, my dear friends. And sometimes it's hard to accept that when we are able to listen, that God is speaking and that we have something valuable to contribute. We spend too much time second-guessing ourselves because we want a choir of angels or a star labeled, this way to the Messiah, or a giant sign that says, avoid Herod on the way back. But we get far subtler cues from God most times. Sometimes God speaks through little pieces of cardboard randomly passed out by small children on a Sunday morning. And that's why spiritual practices like study and meditation are so important And why it can be so helpful to take a random word handed to you on a piece of card paper and just sit with it for a whole year. Don't look at it as if God could talk to you through it. Assume that God will talk to you through it. Know that God does have something to say to you, and it's probably not what you expected to hear God say to you. Your challenge as we begin this new year together and as we celebrate the good news that Jesus is for all people is this. Go out and listen. Pay attention to the world around you and do the hard work of listening to God. Because he will point the way for you to the Messiah. Amen.